Welcome to Grace Archie with Jim Babka. I'm your moderator, Bill Protzman. This show is a show about what rules us. Instead of conflict or force, we propose grace. Tolerance is good. Forgiveness is better. But grace is ideal. Grace is empathy and favor for someone who has said or done something we don't like. It's the attempt to understand someone instead of simply condemning them to enemy status. How could this approach solve social problems? And what is the basis for this view? We explore that here on Grace Archie. Our sponsor is a group built around an ethic we admire, the Zero Aggression Principle. Check out the Zero Aggression Project at www.zeroaggressionproject.org. In this episode, we're going to take on Kiwi Farms. Well, we're going to take on what we ought to do about Kiwi Farms. Let's get into it. The power to cancel. So there was an issue a couple of weeks ago now where an organization called Kiwi Farms, which is not very nice to LGBTQI people. Okay, wait, time out. Stop, Bill. I'm going to interrupt myself here because there's something about Kiwi Farms that you all ought to know. First of all, Kiwi Farms is not a Kiwi farm. It is actually a, uh, a like a message board, an online hosted chat site. And I want to read you a little bit from the Wikipedia entry because I think it's instructive and enlightening. Farms hosts threads targeting many individuals, including minorities, women, LGBT people, neurodivergent people, people considered by Kiwi Farms users to be mentally ill or sexually deviant, feminists, journalists, internet celebrities, video game or comics hobbyists, and far-right personalities. So let me get back now to the actual podcast. Decided to run a, a smear campaign, and their ultimate internet backbone provider, Cloudflare, was pressured to do a denial of service to Kiwi Farms and sort of shut it down. That's a problem. I mean, there's a question involved in this, but that's not the way to answer it. And I think maybe the way that I can set this up for us, Jim, is to sort of ask it in the form of a question. How do we police the internet? Well, you're assuming that we need to police anything. I, I, I for me, I could choose who I want to accept and who I don't want to accept in my friendship, who I want or don't want in my world. One of the things that's bothered me the most about the stuff that's gone on on Facebook where they've censored people's opinions is that I had the ability to do that. I'm not a child. I didn't need that done for me. And they say, well, there's disinformation being put out there. Well, I've seen some of the quality of it. And the only way people are going to learn how to be adults, how to be human, you know, be proper humans is to have experiences and learn how to sort what's good and what's bad, what has good outcomes and bad outcomes, how to be good, how to hang with good people instead of bad people. That's how things get done. And so the idea that, you know, disinformation, which really ends up being at the end of the day, something the government doesn't want said, is shouldn't be the way that we determine whether or not something should or shouldn't. There shouldn't be some well, central authority making these decisions. Hold on there. Time out. Something the government doesn't want said. I mean, I, I, I agree with you about this, and I'm not a fan of the nanny state in any sense of the word. But here's a group of people who shouldn't have to defend their own grace that now requires some protection that has to be given by some third party to them? Yeah, so I think maybe this is where we have to get into the specifics of the case that draws us to, to, to this discussion today. Yeah, I'm um, good with that. Um, so in the Kiwi Farms case, uh, 
Mm -hmm. They're not nice. And they decided to turn their particular point of view on a group of people who they feel uh, have no right to being human beings. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, but it was more than their point of view. And this is oh, what you know, yeah. we've got to make sure. Okay. So I, I want to make a distinction here right off the, the, the bat, because where I was going initially was in response to what you said, whether or not this is a point of view. Okay. I don't care how ugly your perspective is. I believe that you have the right to say it. You have the right to express it out loud. Okay. If you're a racist, you have the right to say it. If you are uh, someone who believes, uh, you know, somebody else's life, you don't approve of their actions or behaviors or views, whatever it is you disagree with, you're allowed to say it. You're allowed to say it out loud. That doesn't mean that I have to associate with you. And that doesn't mean that others have to associate with you. And that doesn't even mean that anybody has to provide you a particular service. And it's going to seem at moments here today, like I'm, I, I don't know where the line is, but the problem is that this is a nuance issue. And so I want to go back to a case that's very, very famous before we had the internet. And I want to give everybody an analogy that they can follow that we can apply to the story that we're going to go through here today. And it's the famous case, case of the neo-Nazis marching in Skokie, Illinois. And the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, long acknowledged to be on the political left, defending the interests and rights of the individuals who are marching. And it was the responsibility of everyone involved to allow them their First Amendment rights and to not interfere on the road. What's a road and what's not is going to be an important part of this discussion. It is not incumbent upon any member of that community to invite them into their churches, their businesses, or anything else, and allow them to continue their display or their behavior there. So let's just to clarify for me here, if I can interrupt on the story, I'm, I have a house on the road, neo-Nazis are marching by, ACLU has defended their right to do that. I sit on my porch, I watch this happen, mm -hmm. right? So that's my position as as a citizen at this moment, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's continue, and I'll try to I'll try to stay on the porch. You're staying on the porch, and they're marching down the street. But you do not have a responsibility or an obligation to invite them into the house, treat them as as privileged guests, and allow them to to spew their nonsense there. However, if you can. If you can find it in your heart to exercise grace, you might want to. You might want to have a conversation. You might want to start to have them get to know you and find out, wait a minute, the view, the point that you're taking right now or the things that you think or believe about me aren't right and I'm a human being. You were able to believe those things. A lot of these hateful views are believed in the abstract. And what happens is over time, people section off people and they begin to break and push further and further apart. And the only place that the people who express the intolerant view find any hope, any sanctuary, any sense of community is with other people who have errant views. And Got those it. views are easier to hold in the abstract. Sure. So I, if in that situation, um, regardless of the color of my skin, I could have gotten up off my porch and walked out to the street and said to one of the people who were marching, would you like to come in? You look hot. I'll have some lemonade with me. Lemonade. So, um, there you go. You know, let's talk about what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
right? That's the skillful approach here. I think that's the that that's the grace approach. Now that's, that's exactly takes, right. That takes some guts. Well, I, I mean, I, I guts or or maybe perfect love casts out fear, right? If the love of uh, if you have the love of Christ or you have a, an ethic where you have chosen that other human beings have inherent value, then I think you can begin to say that this is what you want to that you want to do this. But I want to go one step further and suggest you don't want to do this because not just because it's right. It's right in part because it works. So over the, as we were preparing for this episode, I watched an eight-minute video about Daryl Davis. We've talked about him before here on the show. Personal hero of mine. Long-term goal, if enough people send us enough money to keep the show going, is to figure out how to get him on. We got to get a bigger audience, and we, you know, he gets big-time honoraria, so our, our platform has to be way huge enough to justify his time. But Daryl Davis has got clan uniforms that have been given to him by his friends who once they started to get to know him changed where they were at so there's this extraordinary story where daryl makes friends with uh a member of the clan um this is actually up in a in a midwest state and the daughter this family had been on phil donahue's show if you remember phil donahue's show Oh, yeah. yeah. And Daryl Davis was in the audience that day because he was friends with these people. So he's a black man who is friends with members of the Klan. The daughter, who was a little girl at the time, says that when she grows up, she's going to join the Klan, just like her mom and dad. She was going to be she was going to support and, and continue the family tradition. Well, she does grow up, but as she, you know, shortly before she gets there, dad ends up in prison. Daryl gets in a car, drives them a couple hours up to the prison to see this member of the clan imprisoned, and then drives them back home. He does this act of service for him. You know what her comment, the mother's comment was? Nobody in the clan did this for me. She starts having a conversation. She admits that she did not bring her daughter up correctly, that she hadn't seen Daryl's a human being or his, people of his race as being human beings, but now she got it. She saw his heart and that changed her heart. And now her daughter and her both have renounced the clan. So it works. It ain't easy. It don't happen fast, but it works. So if the Nazis are marching down your street in Skokie, maybe you offer them a glass of lemonade. This is remarkable because it has nothing to do with policing or the law, or anything else. It has to do with the free exercise of human rights. Some of them natural rights and some of them given by the law. But if Daryl hadn't done that act, there wouldn't have been a change. Uh, the Apostle Paul, the book of Hebrews, it's in there. It says flat out, the law destroys. The law exposes sin. The law shows how rotten we all are. The law in, in, in binds us and we are free. We don't need more rules. We don't need to get people in their boxes. We don't need to set anyone straight. That's not what needs to be done. What needs to be done is people who have sectioned themselves off and allow now are in an environment where it's closed and their view of other groups of human beings as a group is abstract. It's not real. It's not contact. It's not touch. They don't know anybody of that class or type. And so they're permitted to be in a myth or inside a delusion about who those people are, what their motivations are, and, and, and to dehumanize them. 
this has happened to me online where as a parent of trans kids, for example, um, I'll say something in a networking group about what, what an amazing thing it is, you know, to have such diversity in my own family. And I always, without fail, I get the comment, Jim was like, wow, how does that work? That's happening to you? Like it's not something that's even in the realm of possibility for most people. Full confession, I'm one of those people. You and I have had a conversation early in our relationship where you shared this with me and I asked you questions about it. Exactly. And, and by the way, you handled me very graciously because one of the things I didn't know, there were things I didn't know and I wanted to know, I was curious about. And you answered my questions. You answered them, by the way, with remarkable candor. Thank you. And we had, um, yeah, because you, you you shared struggle and hope, both. Right, right. And that's what it's about, especially for trans people, anybody who's not like, you know, in the in the main lane, it's a struggle. But you have and, hope, you know. And and so that that touched me. And I would say that, you know, I was raised in, in and we've talked about this in a previous episode. It's full, we've discussed this before raised to believe that being gay was wrong. Right. Yeah. And biblical, you know, all the, right. And so I, you know, I, and there's certain things that, you know, baggage that came with that, but I, then I meet people and I shared that, that testimony here of the story of Robert, um, whom I met and, and others, including now even a member of my own family where members plural, um, by marriage that I've had this chance to be exposed and understand um, just, you know, these are still human beings and different people and, and each unique and special and loved by God and, and cool in their own way. And that's, that's so, so th this is the first level. I want to suggest that somebody who would go to Kiwi farms, that they would find doxing and violence and all that stuff that they're into. We're going to get, I want to get to their actual behaviors because this is a special case, but these people are They've already been sectioned off in some way. They already feel excluded in some way. Yeah, through their, either through their own sectioning, through their beliefs or whatever, or because somebody has pushed them out. I guarantee that the latter's occurred. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to say to you, I guarantee it. This is not like, well, maybe possibly at some point somebody said, I don't like that you have these views. No, they were shut down hard by people. And they struck a pose of defiance and off they marched into that, that corner. But if nobody, if nobody's biting on this stuff, if nobody gives a crap about what you think, if somebody says, listen, you know, that's, that's kind of strange. You know, you want to explain that? How does that work? Right? So <laughs> I, I work with a gentleman whose favorite for one of his favorite phrases, is, what's your deal? What's your deal? Right. It's kind of a summation of who you are. Like explain who, where you're coming from right now. It's a really good question. What's your deal? Who are you? What makes you tick? Why right now are you holding this particular view? And I think when someone says something, it's clearly outlandish and without foundation, rather than let them go and be like, hey, I'm not, you know, who am I to judge? I mean, that doesn't sound right to me, but you know, what's your deal? What's your deal? Who are you? Where are you coming from right now? And grace, the first step of it, is asking that question, is actually caring about the answer to that question. Yeah, so it's and not denying you service. It's actually reaching across, going out with a glass lemonade, inviting somebody inside. And I have the same problem, by the way. You know, there was, a, if you remember a few years ago, there was the cake baking. Dispute, yes. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is another way we can illustrate the point. 
the person serving the cake for the wedding does not have an obligation to serve anyone. So if someone comes in and they say, we're gay, and the cake baker says, I oppose gay marriage, and I'm not going to sell you a cake, then nobody's owed a cake. Go get your cake elsewhere. That's the principle. That's the law. Now, if the people who uh, are being offended against want to stick around and have a conversation and ask some questions, I think that's a good, healthy thing to do. Because maybe this person needs to be exposed to real people who are different from them and find out that some of the things that they believe are not true. If your way of life is true, then they're going to find out that some of the things they believed about that thing are wrong. But it's not your obligation to do that. You don't have to do that. You could simply go to another person baking the cake. Now, just because it's legal, just because they can do it doesn't mean they should. And I'm bothered that they would use the name of Christ or claim to be Christians and say that on that basis, because there is no basis to stand on there. It's true. It's so ridiculous. It's freedom of religion. Freedom of religion says I can do whatever crazy thing I want. Yep. But the religion of Christ would say, hey, you know what? I don't agree with you. And I think it'd be wrong for me to take the money. How's that? I'll make the cake for you anyway. I'm going to make you my most expensive cake and I'm going to make it for you for free. That'd be a much better approach if you wanted to protest in some way. I'm going to make you a free cake because I don't approve of what you're doing. Uh, uh yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. What would have happened if somebody would have done that? Exactly. So okay. how do we do that in the digital world? I was contacted the other day. And it's possible that the person who did this could be listening to the show because they happen to be a Facebook friend of mine. I'm not going to call them out. I'm not going to give their name. They know who they are if they hear this. They contacted me and they asked me, do you realize that you are friends with a guy named Ben? And my response was, uh, yeah, I can look through my friends list and figure that out. Why are you bringing this to my attention right now? Well, I just want to make sure you knew. Yeah, thank you. Was there some reason you chose today to bring that up? Seriously, yeah. say what you mean. Tell me. <laughs> Never did, but said that uh, Ben had been engaged in uh, fisticuffs uh, at some event. And I said, oh, I'm disappointed to hear that. Now, I know why he was contacting me. I wanted to make him say it. I'm going to be real clear what my strategy was here. I wanted him to tell me. He wanted to tell me that Good people don't aren't friends with Ben. So and the implication, you know what? right? And you know what? There's some things Ben's written that I understand why that reaction happened. I understand why this person was writing to me. Okay. But he wouldn't say it to me. And I wasn't going to open the door to it. I was going to give him the opportunity to tell me that's what he wanted. Now, he can contact me if he happens to hear the show and he said, like, that was me and I didn't mean anything by it. He can explain himself. But I've seen this happen before where people put up a post, say, I'm friends with these 10 people. And the idea is that you are to cancel them as individuals. So the entire discussion that we're having here starts with the notion that we can cancel an individual human being. And Not I'm suggesting happen. that's wrong. And that only makes the problem worse in the aggregate and in the long term. So let's say that by, by folding somebody off, you may have prevented one little minor event from happening right now because I'm not going to grant that there aren't times when canceling somebody hasn't worked out to some benefit. Okay. It, it, it probably has, but I'm saying that 
as a general rule, in the aggregate, all cases put together, in the long run, not just the short term, but we're looking the full distance, what you're doing is you're creating cultural division and divide. You're not creating healing. So in your righteousness, you are part of the problem, not part of the solution. Let me put it more precisely. In your self-righteousness, you are part of the problem. You are so, not part of the group solution. At what point does this cross the line to, uh, and we, we've talked about assault and battery. So at what point does this kind of cancel-ish stuff cross the line into harm? Okay. So the Kiwi Farms story now is like, got, now that we've laid all that context, the Kiwi Farms story is on the table yeah. for us to dissect. Because what was happening from this site, and we know that this was happening, uh, was that people were being threatened. Doxing of various types were occurring and um, violence had actually occurred and that the level of, um, you were able to generate other people to go after this person in various ways, whether it's like calling them at all hours of the night or showing up at their door or whatever it was that they were doing where they were able to get people so worked up and so in a state of fear that there was even suicides. And, and maybe even, maybe even somebody killed out there. Like you look at this entire story and you say, this is pretty horrific that a group of people were actually encouraging each other to behave this way. And I think that we have laws on the books already that deal with these things. So let me just break, break one of those most basic ones down because this to me is very, very important to, this particular one is very, very important to my, my, my personal libertarian theory, my view on the zero yeah. aggression principle, okay? Yes. And that is what is assault and what is battery? So what is, what is, do you know what battery is? Oh yeah, that's physical. Like you've been struck or you've struck someone. Good, okay. So what is assault? Why do we, we wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, he's guilty of punching and punching. Okay, well he may have punched you more than once, but we wouldn't need to say that, right? So what is, what is assault? Why do we preface assault in front of battery? This is the intention. This is where we go to what, why? Yes. Does it happen? Like, so why are you punching somebody? I was, I wasn't just generally. punching you on the shoulder. You know, I was in good faith. You know, we were just having a great old time. I meant harm. I meant harm. Assault begins with either a threat or it's an attempt to do battery. Okay. So if I threaten you and say, Bill, I'm going to punch you in the mouth right now. Okay. That's sufficient to already say I've committed a crime. If I look threatening, if other people around me think, eh, you know, he kind of meant that right? Even more so if I swing and miss. So I don't have to actually connect. That's the battery in order to have committed the crime. If I swing, so the, there's this guy, Mark McYoung, I'm a fan of. And Mark likes to explain that if you've been in a fight and after the fight's over, the police show up and you say to them, it was self-defense. They think you're lying. The other guy's saying it too. So they know that at least one of you is lying, but chances are in most situations, both of you are lying because you both escalated the fight to that point. So if you swing and miss and I hit you first, you can't say, well, Jim hit me first, right? I was guilty of assault. You were guilty of battery. There you go. Yes. Okay. And you might've been able to say you can't, but you can't claim self like this whole, I can't claim self-defense because, because I missed, right? I can't say you hit first. Because I missed. Okay, the same thing is true of law. So attempted murder works exactly the same way. 
the attempt to murder has has to do with planning and intent. It does not have to do with whether or not I actually took an axe and hit you in the head with it. Okay. And you lived. Oh, he attempted murder. It doesn't mean I failed necessarily. What it means also is that I began gathering the implements. I put a plan together. I went to your house with the intent to do it. And when I arrived, I got arrested and I found, they found all the tools in, in, in my vehicle, right? I was planning a murder. So now That's we're really close to, to Kiwi Farms because clearly the intention was there and they got results as well. So there was both assault and battery, correct? And if there's assault and battery, what I'm going to say is extraordinary and it's going to infuriate people. If there's an assault and battery going on, the people responsible for the assault and battery are the people who are engaging in assault and battery. Now, if Kiwi Farms are providing a protective environment for people to express themselves and even express themselves in the most reprehensible way, that's the road in Skokie. And in fact, they might have even let them in. And the fact that they're announcing their intentions does us some favors because maybe we find out there's some bad people assembling there and they might be up to some bad things and maybe they should be criminally investigated and things ought to be done because we don't actually want to see the assault turn into the battery, the attempted murder turn into the murder. And I'm suggesting that they are individually responsible in that case. How do we gin up the machinery to hold people individually responsible in these cases? Well, now that's an interesting question too. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest with you. It's not one I didn't hundred, I didn't hundred percent, everything we've discussed up to this point, I kind of like, you know, thought this all through. I've got two pages of notes of things I was going to say. This one throws me a tiny bit. Yeah, me too. I mean, this is really the, the point here. Well, it, it is, although I do want to talk about Cloudflare's role in all of this before we get done. I, I want to say that if I found out, Bill, that you were engaging in this behavior on the side, you were sitting on a website like Kiwi Farms and you had picked out a target audience of people that you don't like. Maybe you don't like Jews. Maybe you don't like Christians. I don't know, you know what your, your thing is, but you're doing this at night and, you're, and you are actually trying to, to go out and harm people. That would probably be sufficient to dissolve our business relationship together. I hope so. Um, well, I might want to sit down and have some lemonade with you first. Well, I mean, yeah, knowing <laughs> you as I do, there'd be at least one but, glass of lemonade first. But I, 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 I think that when this begins to happen, we can begin to take steps to have the law enforced. So it is not an initiation of force. Let me be very clear. It is not an initiation of force to engage in active self-defense. It is not an initiation of force to prevent a crime from being completed. And if someone's engaging in criminal behavior, we have tools and systems for that. And, you know, we've got this government sitting around here. We pay so damn much money for it. If it can't do this right, why do we have it? So the proper, <laughs> the proper institution for dealing with this was the DA's office, right? You could have picked up the phone and called somebody, say, I'm seeing this behavior here. And I happen to know who posted this. And I've been talking to him off to the side. And, I've, you know, I got this record here. He's, he's a pretty bad dude. You know, Bill sits up at night and he writes these bad messages to people. I found out that this is what he's going to do. Now, I actually have personal experience. I went to Facebook because after the Dobbs decision came down, right? Now, we've been talking about this. Is, these targets are ostensibly coming from extreme right-wing actors hitting the left. Let's go the other side. After the Supreme Court decision came down, 
there was a gentleman that was giving doxing the Supreme Court, giving out all their addresses and saying, you know, it won't hurt my feelings if I find out bad things happen to these people. <laughs> That's wrong. That's, That's assault, right? As far as I'm concerned, I think it should be investigated. I reported it to the authorities. Nobody ever acted or did anything on it. Nobody. Well, Not the social media platforms. Nowhere. 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 Nobody cares, right? In that particular sense. Now, they might have put some security outside their house or whatnot, but maybe we're not taking these threats seriously enough. And I'm disturbed that somehow or other we're going to pretend that other people, now let me say who I think those other people are in a second, but we're going to pretend that other people are responsible for the actions of a few who are committing crimes. And I don't think we actually, again, this is one of these cases where the symbolism kind of misses and we don't actually address the real, the real problem here. We, we send out some kind of virtue signal that we care, but we didn't actually protect or save any lives here. We took down one place, you know, all of the drug war, we kicked down some door and we got some drugs and now drugs are off the street, right? No. All right. We, we took down one website or platform and now racism has been eradicated or uh, extreme hate towards uh, gays or, or trans people has been eliminated, right? I mean, we've, we've, we've completely solved the problem because we kicked one door down or shut down one website. It's absurd. When what we should have been doing is we should have been saying that when this kind of behavior happens, there's a responsibility of the individuals who committed the behavior. But you they... took that responsibility by doing what you could to report what was on Facebook without effect. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Is that because it's a left-right kind of issue or... I don't know. I don't do want to get all, I don't want to get conspiratorial about this. I, I honestly don't know. My point is that, that, that in this particular case, and the thing that's interesting to me the most about Kiwi farms is that Cloudflare was somehow responsible for what was happening on Kiwi farms. Right. Right. So, so Cloudflare provides software for working in the cloud that adds security to, to the, the handoffs that go on, on the background. You know, the websites used to be like run out of one guy's server in a garage right? Today, it's all, servers all over the place. And there's got to be a way for them to all communicate. And those 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 communications need to be secure. And Cloudflare is the, the giant. It's the one that does the best in this. And they offer these tools that are on websites that you I guarantee that you use, okay? And what happened was that, well, there's two things that happened. We have to, this came to our attention through an article on The Verge. I want to talk about The Verge before we're done. So please make a note of that. Yeah, but what what happened here is that there was criticism of Cloudflare because they it turned out they were one of the vendors pro providing service to Kiwi Farms, and if they pulled out, denial of service attacks would be easier, and other people uh, the the, the the fact they probably the way their site was uh, put together with the absence of these tools would would basically kill their website, and pressure was put on Cloudflare to engage in an extrajudicial act. So Which instead of due process- They initially refused, right? They initially refused. They said, that's and that's not our job. They completely should have, because it's not their job. Their job is to provide a particular software tool. They weren't hosting the site where this was happening. So they're that removed. And they're not the people that are doing the action. So they're at least two steps removed from the situation. So this would have been like saying that- um, um, Yeah, back to Skokie for a second. Yeah, we've been going back to Skokie. It'd be like we we're going to uh, shut down the road so that nobody can drive it, so that that way they won't be able to have their parade. We're just going to close the road completely, and that's going to solve the problem. 
And I don't think that's the the right solution. No, I think, and I think secondly, (laughs) I think secondly, that Cloudflare has no special ability to deal with this matter any more than your local restaurant has a special ability to deal with uh, the, the way some of its clients behave outside of the restaurant or the way that the, the Amazon warehouse has to do with what their employees are doing on their private time when they're unaware of it. Like it's not the job of these institutions to figure out how to do it. And that when they go and act, they will end up acting in a way that is heavy handed, um, incomplete. There won't be any due process attached to it. There'll be no weighing of the charges to figure out what's right, what's wrong, and how it should best be done by dispassionate parties. None of that stuff will exist in that environment. And I don't think Cloudflare or any one of these other companies should be responsible for trying to police or figure out what's going on on, on various platforms that uh, where uh, they have clients using their service. I don't think that's their job. They're two steps removed from it. They are not culpable. They are not responsible. They had no intent to do anything wrong here. What they're doing is providing a service. But if you say that, okay, we're going to have them do this anyway, what happens is Kiwi Farms gets closed. We lose the benefit of the information of the, of the behavior of the people there. That's gone. And, I, and, and it, in this case, it was so far gone that other companies followed and that included the Wayback Machine. So the Wayback Machine decides we're going to erase in Stalin-esque fashion every, all the history that this site existed. Their crimes are now gone. We can't, you can't go look at their crimes right now and say, well, wait a minute, this happened, that happened, the other thing happened. Now, hopefully law enforcement still can. Hopefully there's still a way that they can do that. Because if people were engaged in something they shouldn't have been doing, if they were actually harming or threatening people, then they should face the law. That's the purpose so, of the law. This brings up an interesting question, and I have personal experience with a DA in uh, a large county in California where the DA declined to take the case because, and this is true, they didn't know if they could win it for sure. And they wanted to have a really stellar record because elections were coming up. Now, this was a case involving child abuse, and Mm -hmm. I... The, the political motivation of my district attorney came home to me that day in a way that it has never come home before. Okay. If you happen so, to be in a blue state who is not very, uh, so we say tolerant of LGBTQI and your district attorney doesn't feel like they can win a case in a blue state against Kiwi Farms, you might have a political calculation that enters into the enforcement of the law. I would ask if anyone believes that they have the right or they should. I mean, you have the power. You clearly have the power that I'm about to describe. But do we want a society where people engage in vendetta, where people engage in vengeance? They are able to go out and carry out the law on their own. Oh, it's that, it's illegal that, right now in Texas and some other states where if you know somebody who's having an abortion or helps with one, you can turn that person in for ten grand, right? Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't want that. We we've discussed that before too. We really don't. Oh want yeah, that. that's I, I just, In this particular case, and I don't know the particulars of it, but we do have a problem in our prosecutorial services where we do not treat these as ways to heal the community, and because we are all about wins and losses then there, there are bad decisions in terms of where resources are put, um, in terms of what cases to pursue and not to pursue. It, and, and in the current environment, they're much more likely to pursue a drug case because those are much easier to gain convictions on than real crimes against property and persons. 
So if, if the ethos wasn't about wins, if it wasn't about punishment, and instead it was about restoring the community and providing restitution to victims, if those were the things that we were about there, then I would suggest that the outcome would be different. I'm not, I don't want to, everything I say here, the problem with everything I say here is that someone can always say, well, we've got this thing over here right. that also is a problem. Or, you know, Jim, this is the way the world is right now. Well, I'm not, that's not what I'm here to talk about. That bores the hell out of me. I want to talk about where we should be. I want to hold out the ideal. And then I want to say that until we get there, the only thing I'm actually responsible for is my contri contribution to whether I'm making the world better or I'm making the world worse. That's it. Like so, I, I can't, I can't even control you, Bill. If like, we had I, this I, opportunity to, to change, uh, Ben, to go back to the example of Ben. Yes. Uh, the internet's a community, and we don't want bad actors messing up oh. our community. And Ben, Ben is blessed that I'm in his timeline. Bingo. Yes. Okay. Because, because you're not going to do the exactly. And I'm in his echo chamber, right? I'm yes. inside of it, so I can speak to Ben. Or I can speak in front of Ben. I don't spend much time speaking to Ben because the person who wrote me, it, coincidentally, the person who wrote me, I have never any contact with before in terms of like, we've never met terrestrially. We've never done any business together. And the same thing turns out to be true of Ben. So I don't, you know, Facebook uses this terminology friends and I'm bothered by it because they're not really my friends necessarily. Like there's people on Facebook whose work I really enjoy, but I, I wouldn't be able to pick them out of a crowd. Like if I happen to be out or uh, especially if they haven't put their photos up, right? I, I don't really know them. I don't know what they do or what their house is like or who their kids are or all the rest of that stuff. So it's not my friend, but to the degree that Ben is still exposed to the things I have to say, he's blessed. He's going to get something that's good. And I, cause I don't happen to, these aberrant views that he has, I don't happen to agree with them. And, you know, if he turns on, for example, this podcast, which could happen, right? We could put it on Facebook and he could watch the podcast too. Good for him, right? Because he heard something he needed to hear. And if I go away, if I block him out of my life, he's not going to hear that anymore. Now, that's where it's, that's where it gets back. And, and the full circle on this, which I want to get back to, is this restitution, this whole thing. I mean, we're going to talk about scapegoat at some point. But the whole idea that somebody has to take the fall for a bad act um, is not where we want to go with this. Where we want to go to is, and I'm going to use a word, restorative justice, people. But we want to be able to take the Daryl Davis approach that reminds people that they are in fact human and that we are in fact connected and that allows that connection to grow and become stronger instead of without overlooking the fact that there were some crimes being committed here and those right. things need to be brought to justice they need to be brought so to justice. The, the, the policing issues come up several times i think there's a grace point to be offered here and that is that while cloudflare or any other business who's engaged in providing a particular service may be ham-handed and not know or have the expertise to do the right thing here or how to handle a situation. I think there's a market need that's missing here. So as a voluntarist, what I believe is that governance should be provided through the marketplace. Individuals provide services to one another, and that is how we arrive at our welfare, our security. You fill it in, right? Our environmental regulation of various business and industries, all that stuff could be provided through voluntary means of people associating with each other and choosing to say, you know, this is the deal. You're going to come into my place. This is how it's going to work. And I, what I would suggest here in this place is that we probably need an adjudication company. We probably need an, an, an organization. And there probably should be more than one because competition is good companies out there that the product or service that they sell is that they can 
moderate and determine whether or not a good or service uh, where you, you can have access to that good or service if your behaviors are the following things or you engage in the following ways. And instead of having the companies make these decisions kind of random, arbitrarily, suddenly, instead of them having to divert resources to it, it's almost like an insurance policy. There might be a referee or a system with probably very well-prescribed rules. And here's something that's missing, even in Facebook, which is, by the way, one of the better actors in this field, even though they're very heavy-handed with their AI, even though they're making tons of mistakes with their fact-checking right now, and it's abysmally bad. They have attempted to devise something of a, a Supreme Court that makes final decisions and makes rulings on cases that they have committed, that Mark Zuckerberg has committed the company to abide by. And But it shouldn't be on them. And what should be available to every one of these people that are in their situations to be treated like an individual with due process, to be able to come back and say, wait a minute, you're going to make this ruling, but this isn't fair. And here's why, or this didn't apply in this case. Here's why. I was engaged in satire, whatever. So this could actually be balanced or adjudicated out by a company that specialized it. And there would be a remarkably efficient way to make an appeal to it. And the companies would be trying to compete. The various companies in this area would be trying to compete to provide the service that everyone recognizes is the best, right? They're the most just, they're the most fair, they're the most equitable. How much time do you think those kind of governance boards, for want of a better word, voluntary governance boards would spend on like directing law enforcement to take action where actual assault has taken place? I think it would actually increase the odds that it happened. I think they probably would be better finders of fact. I have a story I could tell. We won't get into it today. Um, but I, I was reminded of it this week. Somebody had a car accident. We had somebody hit a car in my front yard at 2.50 a.m. Uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And the cops didn't cite because there was no eyewitnesses to prove that this gentleman was actually behind the wheel at the time that it happened. He had a story that he had basically broke land, uh, human land speed records chasing this vehicle that had been stolen from him and that the guy that had stolen it had gotten away. Because it, it took me, you know, a good 10 seconds to get outside. And that, you know, apparently the guy he was chasing was down the hill. Well, this was a complete farce. And when I went to pursue this with the police, I was told by the prosecutor's office that if I bothered them again, it would be me that would be charged. For what? For wasting their time. True story. I'm not making a lick of that up. So I, you know, I, I got very determined and upset and I started playing Columbo and I ended up solving the crime. I nice. put together such an impressive level of evidence that I took to the insurance company who had a hotline into who the detective was in the city who solved the crime. And then the detective calls me up to say, I solved your case. Oh, thank you. Appreciate thank you. that. Glad, glad you managed to pull all that together. We're going to do an yeah. episode on this. <laughs> the point being that uh, I was a gatherer of fact because I had motivation and intent to do so. And there are records that if they're being collected electronically could easily be stored and could be gathered and assembled in a very efficient way. And that could be part of the service that these companies provide. And companies that are in this social media space, instead of government regulation, could, could have this in place. It could cost everyone less and it could work better because it was more responsive to the market actors in their day-to-day -day situations instead of the heavy-handed, ham-handed way that it's been done up to this point. It's just been a mess. 
and it's caused additional social friction, even when it's unintentional. Yeah. People have lost friends over totally bogus stuff. Right. And that doesn't need to be the case. And I mean, so, actual friendships, not just, you know, virtual friends. So in review, I want all the information I can have possible. I want everyone to have access to the roads and be able to express themselves. I defend anyone's right to say anything because that's how the right works to have that right of free speech. We are losing that. There's actually polling evidence that shows that people are beginning to question this. And on the, on the, both the, on the political right and on the political left, we see the political right attempting to regulate the behaviors of social media companies. We see the political left using doxing powers like and, 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 and pressure on companies like Cloudflare and other ways using social media tools to suppress people's speech. We got people book banning on the right. We got people uh, calling for hate crime laws on the left. I mean, just on and on, we're doing all these things that, that basically say you can't speak and that's wrong. Everybody should be able to speak. They should have access to the roads, but I don't have to buy a ticket to their show, right? Yes. But you know what? I might want to sit down and have some lemonade with them because maybe they never met anybody like me before. Maybe I can introduce them to a new thought. Maybe if they spend enough time with me, their mind would begin to change. I, I don't know. We need to sort out this, this uh, the way that we go about doing that, because both of us read this Verge article, which is, I don't know, I, I, I wrote better stuff in sixth grade, to be honest with you. <laughs> that was my reaction too. Right. It, it lays out some facts and then it, it well, it gets, it gets so much wrong and it gets so much right at the same time. And, and if this yeah, is and it actually, level, it actually argued for, uh, for electronic vigilantism, it basically right. said Cloudflare was too good at its job. And, and people were trying to do denial of service attacks to bring down Kiwi Farms. And so Cloudflare should take some money from its clients, essentially. This is what was being implied. Should go ahead and take the money from Kiwi Farms, but maybe turn off the security a bit, turn it down, so it would be easier to kind of hack them. Yeah. And, and, and definitely, you know, not dump all the data that we could use later on. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I want to, we've gone through a lot of nuance here. But I want to close by being clear that I am not insensitive to what was actually happening here and how reprehensible and dangerous it was. I'm offended by much of the behavior that I see here, but who cares whether or not you or I or anyone else offended? More so, we care about the fact that people were directly targeted for harm of various kinds, and that's criminal. And I'm suggesting the people who are responsible for criminal behavior should be held responsible and that that should have been pursued. We have a law enforcement system. If it's not going to serve this function, then please pray tell why do we have this government at all?